Oh, hey, listen, try this. I told my weed guy to step it up and he gave me that. What is this? Something called This Is Permanent. It's actually pretty mellow. It doesn't sound very mellow. Come on, spark it up. <laughs> there you go. Good, huh? Yeah. Take pride in that. The business of cannabis. We have our own cultivation, our own lab, our own kitchen, where we produce, grow, and process all of our own products. We really pride ourselves on providing premium products. It's the experience that people have when they come to one of our facilities. They get one-on-one -on -one concierge service. We walk them through. We try to figure out what they're looking to get out of using cannabis. The cannabis business. What are the different ways that you can consume cannabis? What are the most popular strains for different conditions? Do you want to relax or you want to be alert. This is the Language of Business, a podcast designed to inform and inspire entrepreneurs or anyone thinking about a startup. Learn about strategies that work and strategies that don't work from people who've been there and done that. Our host is Gregory Stoller, Harvard MBA and senior lecturer at Boston University Questrom School of Business. On this episode, we have part one of a look at the business of cannabis. We go to a new dispensary about to open in Salem and go to a state-run research agency that helps cannabis fans know exactly what they're getting and ensure that they're getting it safely. Here's Greg Stoller. Thanks, Don. Cannabis and CBD are all of the rage today, but how do you go from farm to table? We're on location here in Salem on the North Shore of Massachusetts with Mark Zaturka, co-founder of the INSA Salem Marijuana Dispensary. And welcome to Language of Business. Yeah, thanks for having me. What does INSA mean? So INSA stands for Indica and Sativa, two first letters of each word, which is kind of the, the common starting place that in our conversations that we have with our, our customers to figure out what they're hoping to get out of uh, using one of our products. Here in Salem, this isn't your first location. How many have you opened so far? Yes, yeah, so this will be our, our fourth dispensary license in the state and our third location. And the Commonwealth of Massachusetts allows you to have three and three, three for recreational, three for medicinal. Right, yep. So this will be our second adult use license, uh, and we hope to open a, a, a third pretty soon. And your hope is to have six in total? or? Yeah, we'll take a look at, at what our options are in terms of having more RMDs or, or registered medical dispensaries. But we definitely want at least three adult use dispensaries. You mentioned you're a co-founder. How did you get into this line of work? A couple other folks approached me. I was, I, was, I was doing a lot of nonprofit work. I owned a specialty pharmacy at the time, I and mean, I've always been a, a cannabis enthusiast. So a couple other folks were, were looking to get into the business, and they reached out to me, and I thought it was a great fit, and I was looking for a career change, and I, I thought this would be an exciting one. And how do the economics work? To get one of these stores open, what is the timeline? So it takes about anywhere from 12 to 24 months, probably from, from the initial starting point of, of trying to open a, a new location to the point where you're finally open. So there's a lot of uh, red tape working with the state to get an application approved and then working with the city to get a community host agreement, a special permit, and then the build out itself and, and then hiring and, and training your staff. So it's a pretty involved process. It's an expensive process and, and you need to make sure you get things right. Mistakes are inevitable. Sure. Uh, so how you, how you learn from those is what's important. What is a typical break even in terms of months or years? Right now, uh, it's probably within the first year. I think this industry is still in, in the honeymoon stage. Uh, things are, are changing as more and more licenses are, are approved, but right now things are, are moving really fast and, and are exciting right now in this industry. So a store like Salem could potentially be profitable a year from now? Yeah, yeah. And how did you find Salem? We're looking at multiple cities. Earlier on, we realized how expensive and, and timely it is to 
to get one of these licenses. And so we really wanted to find communities that were welcoming to us. So we talked to other communities where we had pushback from the municipalities or from the community. Salem was, was looking for operators. We really enjoyed working with the mayor and the police chief and the local neighborhood associations. So we just thought this was a great fit. I came out here every year to celebrate Halloween. It's a great city. Uh, it's right on the coast. And, and so um, it was really exciting to me to, to be able to open up a location here in Salem. And in general, how many of these retail locations exist in any one town? In any one town? Most towns have either one or less than one right now. There is another operator here in Salem. They do a great job as well. But besides that, there's, there's still not too many dispensaries, especially in the North Shore between here and Boston. There, there really uh, isn't any other operator right now. And what would you say your competitive advantage is going to be since there's going to be more than one here in Salem? Yeah, as I said, the honeymoon stage is, uh, is, is probably coming to an end relatively soon. So we have to figure out really what differentiates us from our competitors. For us, you know, we rely uh, on amazing, knowledgeable staff members to help our customers and, and quality products. So we have our own culture our own lab, our own kitchen, where we produce and, and grow and process all of our own products. We consider them some of the best of the state. We, we really pride ourselves on providing premium products. And then just the experience that people have when they come to one of our facilities. We really want it to be top-notch. They get one-on-one -on -one concierge service. We walk them through. We try to figure out what they're looking to get out of using cannabis and, and, and guide them to the product that's best for them. And what does your customer appreciation day look like? We have patient appreciation days and, and customer appreciation days. For the medical side, we're able to do discounts, so we give hefty discounts to our patients. And we have one coming up later this week where we have a, a masseuse coming in to do chair massages, uh, particularly for our patients as well. Free food and also bringing in different community organizations to help educate our, our customers and, and patients on services that are available in their communities. What is the difference between CBD, hemp oil, and regular flowers? So yeah, the, the difference between the CBD products that you can buy here at the dispensary versus what you can buy in the stores or online is that our CBD products are cannabis-derived, while those products are hemp-derived. Uh, really the only difference is hemp-derived products are 0.3% THC or less. So you really can't get any psychoactive effect off of those. But consumers do have to be careful. There's been a lot of studies done that shown the CBD products that you buy outside of dispensaries aren't tested by a third party, and a lot of them have less than the milligrams that they say on, on the packaging. So you just want to make sure you get it from a, a reputable brand or come to a dispensary. What percentage of your product is grown in Massachusetts and produced locally to begin with? Yes, yeah, so you're not allowed to cross state lines still. So 100% of our product is, is grown here in Massachusetts. We take a lot of pride in being one of the few locally owned operators here in the state of Massachusetts. So the ownership, we're all from Massachusetts. Where a lot of the other operators um, come in from Colorado and California and out west. So we take a lot of pride in, in being local. Uh, I think that's why we put so much into all of our facilities is uh, this is our home. You know, we want to be the best that we can here at home. Anything that keeps you up at night about this soon to open location? About this location, I mean, just getting it open keeps me up at night. You know, there, there's still a lot of unknowns when working with the state in terms of, you know, what, what agenda will be on, how long it'll take to get the inspection, how long it'll take after that. So it's, it's kind of like that hurry up and wait process. So we were just approved uh, last week. And so 
there's not much now that keeps me up. Uh, there's just so much work to be done. When, you know, it's like starting a new business every time you open another sure. location. So just the amount of work and, and you know, new things pop in your head while you're trying to fall asleep. So I guess that, that's what keeps me up at night and, and ensuring our, our staff are, are well-trained and educated uh, to provide the best service possible for our customers. Mark, thank you very much. Yeah, thank you. Mark Saturka, co-founder of the Insa Salem Marijuana Dispensary. Don, back to you. Thanks, Greg. Next up, the CEO of 3CRN. It's a state-sponsored research agency to help cannabis fans understand exactly what they're getting and ensure that they're getting it safely when the language of business continues. Our sponsor is Boston University Questrom School of Business. In partnership with EDX, BU Questrom School of Business is offering an online MBA. It's a top-tier business education available to learners around the world. It's a two-year program with a tuition of $24,000, far more affordable than typical on-campus programs. Interested? Get full details at bu.edu slash questrom. You're listening to the Language of Business podcast, look at the business of cannabis. Once again, here's Craig. Thanks, Don. These days, when you mention the word cannabis, enterprising entrepreneurs sniff profit. But what about on the research side? We're on location here in Worcester with CEO Dr. Mary McNabb of C3RN, and welcome to Language of Business. Thank you, thanks for having me. So what does C3RN stand for? Yeah, it stands for Cannabis Community Care and Research Network. And what is your charter? So our mission is to advance science, research, and education around medical and adult use cannabis. Basically here in the Commonwealth, we really have worked over the last couple of years to make sure that business owners, the regulators, and the public really understand the importance of advancing research and quality education. We're here in Bull Mansion in the height of construction in Worcester. Is this your office? Is this some place that you hold meetings? How does it work? Yeah, welcome to our office. Yeah, <laughs> there is much construction right. around here. So this is the C3RN headquarters. This is our office and meeting space. But we operate around the state, primarily in Holyoke, Boston, South Coast. We kind of pop all over, but here's where we call headquarters. Most entrepreneurs these days immediately want to make money and make profits, even better than just revenues, from cannabis. What do you do with your research? That's a really, really good question. The research studies that we have right now are with the University of Massachusetts Dartmouth. We started a partnership with them last year. We launched a cannabis consumer and patient study. That study has around 2,000 responses so far to date. And the purpose of that study is really to drive awareness around cannabis, both medical and adult use cannabis, really from an advocacy standpoint and also just from an awareness standpoint for the public and for our local dispensary partners. We have partnered with a couple of local groups here in Massachusetts for that study last year, including INSA, Revolutionary Clinics, and Basque. And so through the dispensary networks, we're finding that this data and information is, a, is interesting and helpful for many ways, for many reasons. One, let's look at the patient and the consumer. We've really learned and found that medical cannabis is really an effective alternative for other over-the-counter medications or prescription medications that are unwanted for good health conditions. Our business partners have found the data really interesting and helpful in local advocacy with towns and also just supporting research writ large. I'm in really understanding how the findings impact the products that they offer. I'm in making sure that you know they're really focused on specifically the medical cannabis population. What do you think consumers use the research for? 
That's great. I think from a consumer perspective, a lot of the consumers have been really interested to understand where are the different types of cannabis, like what are the different ways that you can consume cannabis, what are the most popular strains for different conditions, or you want to relax, or you want to uh, be alert. So consumers are really seeking that level of information education. I think there's a real lack of good, solid quality education out there for both consumers, patients, also businesses and, and healthcare providers around the different scientific aspects of cannabis. Is your goal to get your research published, sold, or see all of the above? <laughs> see all of the above. So we have two streams of our research. One, the one I just mentioned, we also have a Veterans Health and Medical Cannabis Study. Those studies are really focused on publication, scientific advancement of literature, and really advocacy and social justice. We are planning on launching a new consumer-focused study in early 2020 that will be geared towards towards business and making effective business decisions and really trying to understand how uh, businesses can successfully integrate different metrics or indicators into how they make investment or business decisions. So, because I'm a public health professional coming into an entrepreneurship land, I think from, you know, from that public health side, I think there's opportunity for business to... And how are you funded? That's a great question. So we are bootstrapped. We have no investment funding. We originally won, we won the first Boston University Cannabis Startup Competition. Two Congratulations. Thank you. Go be you. We used that award funding to launch a event series last year. And so our revenue has come from sponsorships and partnerships with different dispensaries. I think what's difficult for researchers in cannabis and any researcher out there would, I am sure, agree with me, there's a dearth of funding available for cannabis research. And the majority of funding that's available through traditional U.S. government funding streams is through the National Institute of Drug Abuse. And so that research tends to have research objectives that are looking at potential harms or prevention measures. So when looking at the other side of health and medical research coin, there hasn't been funding available or lessened regulatory restrictions for researchers to conduct other studies. So we've had to be very creative as entrepreneurs over the last two years. I think companies have seen research as important, but research is not cheap. Sure. And a lot of these companies are seeing data and analytics from a very different perspective. So it's been a, a dance of trying to work with an industry who's growing to understand the value of investing in such data. So for the last, you know, I would say about a year and a half or so, we were able to really work with a few really great industry partners, kind of make that happen and to fund it from a smaller, more bite-sized perspective. Sure. But that also requires collaboration among dispensaries. So it's been really interesting. What is your end game? So our end game is to advance uh, really good quality science research data uh, analytics, be a service to the business community, but also really start to hone in on high quality educational content for the cannabis industry, future entrepreneurs, workforce, as well as healthcare providers, policymakers, et cetera. Our end game is to make sure that the public is better educated about the benefits of cannabis and stigmas reduced. And what would you consider to be a win? Would you want to go into permanent partnership? Would you want to get purchased? Would you want to end up in it as a university division? 
Great question. I think where we'd want to end up is two ways. One, really making institutional impact with several educational institutions, whether that be centers or other ongoing educational programming. That, I think, is an important part of C3RN's mission. We have a nonprofit that we've established that is looking at those health-related research and that education from a positive benefit. But I think from our perspective, on a, we're a public benefit corporation, a B Corp, so we're excited about that standing. And I think for us, we'd like to eventually grow our company to really focus on data analytics and education and eventually sell. If you could invest in one aspect of the cannabis or CBD industry these days, where would it be? Wow, great question. So there's lots of opportunities in this industry, both plant touching and non-plant touching. Plant touching side investments range from if you're in types of money that you're going to invest, I think it's riskier to invest in plant touching businesses just because regulations change, it's a higher investment cost, capital building for certain some of these plant touching license types. So my advice to an investor would really be to look to the ancillary industries, the non-plant touching supportive industries. So things like research or data and analytics like C3RN or other legal firms, business accounting, HR, other ancillary services from labeling to eco-friendly packaging, those are all less risky investments. And think about like the gold rush, right? The things that lasted till the end of the gold rush were the picks and shovels sure. and the device jeans. Dr. McNabb, thank you very much. Thank you. Marion McNabb, CEO of C3RN, the Cannabis Community Care and Research Network. Now back to you, Don. Thanks, Greg. And that's our podcast this week. Our sponsor is Boston University Questrom School of Business. We're available wherever you get podcasts or ask Alexa. And if you subscribe and give us a rating, it would be a huge help. Or just tell a couple of people. We now have downloads in 62 countries. The latest is Nepal and 34 states plus D.C. and five provinces. Social media is by Jennifer Powell of Excellent Writers. Consulting producer is Helen Tierney of Happy Accident Productions. Direction, audio editing and voiceover by yours truly. Special thanks to Mike Carruthers of somethingyoushouldknow.net. For Greg Stoller and the entire team, I'm executive producer Don Kelly. Thanks for listening to The Language of Business.